When I was a child, my family moved several times as my father took different pastorates in different parts of the country. One of the results of that was that I was often the, the new guy in the class and would go through a process of, of learning who people were and making new friends. And, and along the way, in some settings, that took a little longer than others. And, and so my mother made sure that every time we moved to a new location, she would take my brothers and I to the local library and get us a, a library card. And we would check out books and, and would read, quite honestly, pretty profusely. Um, in fact, I would get into contest with other uh, classmates about how many books we could read in a week and, and can remember reading as many as eight to ten books in a week's period of time trying to, to read more books than some of my other classmates as a way of kind of getting to know them and, and getting to fit in to that new social strata. And as, as I would do that, um, I would often reflect on some of the books, some of the more classics like Moby Dick or, or some of the other great novels, but, but others of them were, were just pretty light reading. And in the process, I'm not sure I retained a great deal of what was actually intended by the author. Uh, maybe you've had that same experience where someone's asked you if you've read a particular book and, and instead of reading the book, you saw the movie. Or maybe when you were a college student, you tried to get your way through a class where you bought the cliff notes instead of actually reading the book. Or, or someone told you about the book and you tried to write a paper or, or make the presentation without actually really settling in and letting the story go down into your soul and really digest what the author was trying to, to tell you. This morning, as we are looking at this time frame where Jesus is with the disciples in the upper room, as he's praying for them, this, this prayer in John chapter 17, I, I would suggest to you that, that there's, a, there's a sense in which many of us have, have rushed through the prayer We've rushed to certain points that have become theological markers for us about unity in the body of Christ or about the role of, of the Christian in the world, to be in the world but not of the world. But along the way, there are some things that Jesus says that really need to settle into our soul. And I can't think of a better time to let our souls do some settling than in the midst of a COVID-19 outbreak when we've all had to adjust. We've all had to make new worldviews for ourselves and, and we've had to make adjustments to our own family time or our work from home setting or our education. And, and so this morning, I, I wanna invite you to, to join me in a time of just, of just letting God settle into your heart and into your spirit and into your soul with, with something that quite honestly maybe the most important understanding we will ever get. It's recorded for us in John chapter 17 in the midst of this prayer that, that Jesus was praying after he had talked about who he was and how he had come from God and he was going back to God and, and, and how he had accomplished the work that God had given him. He, in verse six, he, he begins to, to say something in his prayer that lets us know just how important Jesus is, that he really is the source of all of our living. Listen to what he says. I have manifested your name, Father. He's talking to God. 
to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I've given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I, that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I want to I wanna read that again, a, a little slower this time, and I want you to listen for, for some nuances of what Jesus is saying about himself and about his mission. Listen again. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. Remember, just a few minutes earlier, as Jesus had been answering the questions of the disciples, as he had been explaining to them his role and his mission, there was that aha moment that, that these disciples had where, where they said to Jesus, you know what, you're no longer talking in figurative language. You're no longer telling us parables. You're no longer giving us metaphors for life. And instead, you're telling us plain truth, and now we get it. We know that you really did come from God and that you're going back to him and that you, you really are the source of life. And as Jesus prays, he uses, he uses language that lets us know just how true it is that he is the source of all of our life. Listen again to verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. A couple of years ago, we were taking part in a, a process of, of providing a, a library for the Asia Bible College in Kochi, South India. Uh, the Bible college there has existed for 40 years. They were in the process of, of getting accreditation to offer a Master of Divinity degree, a, a training degree for pastors at a master's level. Their faculty was adequate. Their facility was adequate. They, they lacked only one thing. They needed a library an on-site residential library for all of their students and faculty to use. And the accrediting group had told them they needed 5,000 books. They only had 1,000. And it couldn't be just any book. They, it had to be the, the books that would help the students learn how to, how to interpret the Word of God, the books that would help the students learn how to serve the kingdom of God. And, and they had to be particular books. And, and in the process of that dialogue, we discovered that here in Anderson, one of the great leaders of our Church of God movement, former editor-in-chief of Warner Press, Dr. Arlo Newell, who was at that time past his 90th birthday, was looking for a place where his lifelong collection library could be utilized. 
in the library, there were, there were all the commentaries that would be needed. In the library, there were all the books on ministry that would be needed. There were classic books and new books from various theological perspectives. The only problem we had was somehow getting his library from Anderson, Indiana to Kochi, South India. In the process, there were a great number of governmental hoops that we need to, needed to walk through. In fact, one of the things we discovered was that if we boxed up all the books and just sent them over there, and the shipping manifest was inconsistent, the, the, it was, there was a mistake in it in one of the boxes, that then all the boxes would be rejected. Now, that may not sound like much of a problem to you, except for this. There were 46 boxes containing 4,165 books, enough books to give them the accreditation, enough books to meet the need that was there at the college. And, and yet, we had to make sure that every book in every box had the right shipping manifest in it. Now, some of you are looking at me and thinking, hey, pastor, why are you talking about shipping a library from Indiana to India when Jesus is talking about what he has done in his mission? It's because of that word that's translated in the English, manifest. You see, that's what had to be exactly right on that shipping bill, the manifest. It had to let the people at Customs know that, that what was in those boxes was exactly what was on that piece of paper. And when Jesus is talking to God about what he has accomplished in his ministry here, the, the word he uses is he says, look, Father, I have made manifest your name to these, your people. I've let them know exactly who you are. What he was doing was, was saying that he had verified. He had verified the authenticity of God. The, the authenticity of, of the relationship that God wanted, that, that he had, out of his living, he had really created that place where, where he was saying, I love you so much that I'm willing to die for you. We tend to read past it very quickly in verse 6 of John 17, when Jesus says, I manifested your name to them. We've got to understand Jesus is the source of life for all of us because he verifies, he authenticates, he, he lets us know exactly who God is and exactly what God wants to do. Jesus is the source of our life because he's the one who reconnects us to the relationship that's been broken by the sin in our life, the relationship that breaks the heart of God when he's saying, I did what you sent me to do, Father. I came here and I let them know exactly who you are and exactly how much you love them. He's basically saying, I made sure the shipping manifest for your message of love and grace and mercy was exactly right so that when they saw me, Father, they, they saw you. And what he, what he continues to say is, I made manifest your name. Uh, that that doesn't sound like much to us in a Western culture in the 21st century, someone's name. But in a first century, in a first century Israel, your name spoke about who you were. Your name spoke about why you were alive. Your name told a, a history. It, it gave a, a representation. Your, your name was connected to your identity. 
And so Jesus says, look, I, I'm verifying the authenticity of the message and I'm letting them know exactly who you are, Father. I'm letting them know by the way I lived and I'm gonna let them know by the way I'm gonna die and I'm gonna let them know by the way I'm gonna be resurrected on the third day. This, this 2020 year has not been anything any of us expected. And yet in the midst of all of the chaos and all of the lockdowns and all of the quarantines and all of the confusion, there's one thing you and I need to know. Jesus is the source of life because he authentically verifies that God, the creator of the universe, the one who has the whole world in his hand, that God, the God who created us, loves us, cares for us, and wants a relationship with us. That's why it is so beautiful to see when the integrity of the relationship is verified by the authenticity of the relationship. When I arrived in South India in January of 2018 to speak for the graduation for the Master of Divinity degree students who were there, who were now graduating with the first accredited master's degree in their region, I cannot tell you how beautiful it was to sit with those students in the library that, that now belonged to them, with the books surrounding them that had been shipped by boat, that had taken a couple of months to arrive, but they arrived exactly when I was there. And before I returned home, the students wanted me to be in their midst to see what they were so grateful to receive. This morning, I know that there was a whole lot, of, whole lot of change in our world. I know that there are a whole lot of ideas floating around about how to respond and when to open up and how things should go. And, and yet here's what I want you to know. Jesus, Jesus is the one who came to show us exactly who God is. Jesus, Jesus demonstrates the integrity of the grace and mercy and forgiveness of God by the way he lives. Listen to it again. Listen to what he said about himself. He said, now, now they know that everything that you've given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me and they've received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you and they have believed you. Hmm. They have believed that you sent me. See, that's, that's why Jesus is the source of life. That's why he's the one who, who verifies the authenticity of the relationship that God the Father is offering to all of us. It's because in the way he lived, in the way he lived, there was an integrity. It, it, there was a consistency and and it was marked by grace and mercy and forgiveness in order for us to know that that's who God is. That's who the God is who created you and me. He is a God of justice, yes. 
He is a God of truth, yes. He is a God of holiness, yes. But the truth and the justice and the holiness are all wrapped in the grace and mercy and forgiveness. And being wrapped in those things doesn't change the truth or the justice or the holiness. Because real truth, real justice, real holiness is always marked by grace and mercy and forgiveness. And grace and mercy and forgiveness are always marked by truth and justice and God's at work within us through Jesus Christ, who is the source of our life. But did you hear those last few words? Let me read them for you again in verse 8. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they've received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. This morning, I think that's the real question. Do we really believe that, that we have been the recipients of the grace of God? Do we really believe that in this relationship that Jesus verifies the authenticity of, of God's love and grace and mercy for us, that there's a, a continuity and integrity to it, and that, and that in that process we are grown in that process, there's, there's an opportunity for us to, to move forward. There's, there's an opportunity for us to have faith that God himself wants to participate in our life. That he himself knows everything that's happening. It's beyond our comprehension, really, to think of a God who could create everything that exists and not just create it, not just make it beautiful, not just set us in place in it, but, but literally want to participate in every moment of our life. Literally want to participate in our pain and our joy, in our sadness and sorrow, in our celebrations and, and in our love. And our, He wanted to do it because he desires life for you and me. Jesus is the source of life. And Jesus is the one who, regardless of the chaos around us, asks us to walk where he walked, to live in relationship with him, to allow his worldview to change our worldview. Don't forget, as Jesus is praying this prayer, he and the disciples are still sitting in an upper room. An upper room where just moments earlier, Jesus had taken a meal that they had known all of their life as Jewish men. A meal that had been prepared for them to, to remember the activity of God when he delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt. When he set his people free. And for centuries now, Jewish men and women had celebrated that in, a, in a, a ceremony they called the Passover. And in that celebration, they would remember how God had provided for them manna in the desert. They would remember how God had sacrificed the Passover lamb. And on this night, 
as they entered into a room thinking they knew what to expect and discovering that Jesus was there as the source of life to give them something entirely beyond their expectation, to give them an authentic, grace-filled, faith-filled relationship with God. Jesus had taken just moments earlier the plate that, that had the bread in it and he had broken the bread and passed it around the table and said to the, to the disciples sitting there with him, when you take this bread, I want you to no longer remember the manna in the desert. I no longer want you to remember the unleavened bread that was made in Egypt to sustain the people while they traveled. I don't want you to remember that anymore. What, what I want you to remember is that, that I am the bread of life and that this bread, this bread is a symbol of my body. That I came from God to show you what life is really like. So from now on, every time you eat this bread, I want you to remember. Earlier today, I asked you to go and, and get something to be a symbol of the bread that you could use at your home. As we together, even though we're in different rooms, we together remember Jesus is the source of life and he's offered life to us. If that's true in your life, if you've allowed him to, to begin to grow your faith, if you've allowed him to take control of your life, if you've experienced his grace and mercy and forgiveness, if you've discovered that the promise of God is made manifest in Jesus, then I invite you to take the bread and eat. And remember, Jesus is the Son of God who came for you. After they had taken the bread, it was tradition for them to celebrate several different cups, cups that were a reminder of the way that this Passover lamb had been sacrificed in Egypt and that the blood of the lamb had been placed on the doorposts of the homes where the people of Israel lived so that when the death angel came by, they would be set free they would be protected. But on this night, on the night before he was to hang on a cross and die for your sins and mine and the sins of the world, Jesus said to them, from now on, when you take this cup, just as you took the bread and remembered that I came from God to show you who God really is, to be human, to be flesh and blood among you, now, now I ask you to take the cup. And I ask you not to just remember how the Passover lamb's blood was placed on the doorpost in Egypt, but now I ask you to remember that I am the Lamb of God and I am going to die. And tomorrow, my blood will run down this flesh and onto a wooden cross. And that blood will be the source of your salvation. It will be the source of new life.
that's true for you today. Wherever you are, in whatever setting you are gathered with, with family or even if you're alone today, you're not alone because we are together as the people of God. And I would invite you to take the cup and to drink and remember the salvation that Jesus has offered to you. Pray with me. Abba, Papa, thank you that we can take some moments to settle in our souls today. To know that, that Jesus told us exactly who you were. That he let us know that love and grace and mercy come from you just like justice and truth and that we we can find life in you Lord for some of the people who are listening to me they don't believe that that's true for them for some of the people who are watching this stream they think that's true for other people but it's not true for them Holy Spirit I would ask you right now in this moment, whenever it is that they're watching this, wherever it is that they're watching this, Holy Spirit, you're not bound by time and place. And so I ask you to speak into their life and let them know that, that Jesus is the source of life and that he has shown us exactly who God the Father is. And he has promised that you would be here with us to guide us, to comfort us, and, and to convict us. And right now, I would ask, that you would give them the courage to pick up a, a cracker or a piece of bread and acknowledge that Jesus came for them. And that you would give them the courage to, to take a cup of some form of liquid, whatever they've got there present with them, and to drink that cup and know that the price has been paid for their salvation and for their wholeness and their redemption and their life. Jesus, you are the source of our life. And so today we celebrate you and we remember. For it's in the strong name of Jesus Christ that we pray.